0: Rabbi Stephen Wernick reflects on Israel's improbable existence. This sermon is called, A People That Dwell Alone. Enjoy. As you know, I was in Israel this last week for the meetings of the Jewish Agency for Israel celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Fuchsburg Jerusalem Center, which is our conservative movement's home in Yerushalayim, and of course uh, to spend some time with my daughter Ziva. How can you go to Israel and not see your kids when they're there? I want to thank President Biden for the inspiration for this morning's Devar Torah, however, because not only did he cause major traffic delays throughout Israel and Jerusalem, on Thursday night in receiving the Israeli Presidential Medal of Honor that was delivered to him by my friend Bouji Herzog, President Herzog, President Biden gave a heartfelt speech and he taught a bit of Torah that inspired me this morning. I should point out that in teaching this Torah, he also pointed out an understanding of of an oddity of the Jewish calendar. Because of the differences, between Israel and the diaspora in the celebration of the holidays, and when the Chagim fell on Shabbat this year, Israel and the diaspora are on slightly separate cycles of the Torah reading. So this morning, when we read from Parshat Balak, I'm having this sense of deja vu because last week in Israel, I read from Balak as well. Uh, And so uh, Biden, in his presentation, he, he noted that. In his remarks on Thursday night, President Biden quotes from Bilam the Sorcerer, the first oracle, the first curse turned blessing that he recites. And he says, Kimi Roshurim Aranu, I I, as I see them from the mountaintops, umigvaot ashurenu and gaze on them gaze on them israel from the heights han am yishkon they are a people that dwells apart uvegayim lo and are not reckoned from amongst all the other nations on this piece of text President Biden said, as I look out at these proud, strong Israelis in the audience, at the nation that made the desert bloom and built the Iron Dome, I see a people growing more secure, more integrated, more confident, and have greater relations with their neighbors. A nation that has forged peace before and can do it again. And a nation that will never dwell alone. Because as long as there's the United States, you will never be alone. It's an incredible response to that Torah text. But how does our tradition understand this verse? Targum Yonatan reads it like the president did, like Biden did. He sees the verse as descriptive and as a negative. The wicked Bilam said, according to the Targum, "I am looking out upon this people, speaking by virtue of the merit of their righteous fathers, who are compared to the mountains, and by virtue of the merit of their mothers, who are compared to the hills. This people is alone in its future relations with the world, since they do not adhere to the customs and laws." of the other nations. In other words, Targum Yonatan sees this verse from our Parsha that Israel dwells alone as a negative. It rings true of the classical classical accusations of the anti Semite. It rings of Haman and Mordechai and of Pharaoh before them of a Jewish history that is filled with dispersions and statelessness, ceaseless persecution, genocide, Shoah, and more. Modern Zionism, to which Biden, when he looked out at the audience on Thursday evening, modern Zionism, Herzl's dream was to make Israel a normal nation amongst normal nations, a normal people. And of course, Israel, since its establish- establishment, has been anything but. Even though, even, even though to the United States um, and Israel, even though the United States and Israel have this incredibly strong strategic and political relationship at this moment, that hasn't always been the case. In fact, up until the Six-Day War, there was an almost complete embargo against Israel from the U.S. If it weren't for France and the Czechs, Israel wouldn't be here. Because it was the French and the Czechs who provided the armaments and the supplies during the War for Independence, and really all the wars up until '67. And if you look at Israel and its relationship to the United Nations, there is still only one country in the world that cannot serve on the U.N. Security Council, and that is Israel. Because even though we're seeing the breakout of peace with Egypt and Jordan and the the Abraham Accords, and now also the potential with Saudi Arabia and the flyover rights, um, Israel is still not allowed to sit on any of the regional security councils of the United Nations. And if you're not on your local regional security council, you can't get on the UN Security Council. And Israel, of course, has suffered from boycotts before the BDS movement today, and historically, a lot of source with its neighbors. But as Biden was looking out on Thursday, and as I saw being there last week, and as anybody who's gone to Israel in the last several years can understand It's not the same today as it was in the 1970s, or even the 1980s, or even the 1990s. The world is different. Egypt and Jordan have peace agreements. And though those peace agreements are cold in the sense of the relationship between the people of Jordan and Egypt with the Israelis, those peace agreements have lasted. And the Abraham Accords seem to be not only strong in terms of their politics, but also strong in terms of the people exchange. It is amazing to see how many people are traveling today from Israel to the UEA and vice versa. In 2018, I had the opportunity to have lunch with Crown Prince Mohammed bin salem of Saudi Arabia. That happened from my previous job. Still not allowed to talk about a lot of the content that happened within that meeting. Uh, It wasn't any kind of great secret diplomacy. It was really more about interfaith relationships. But what I want to note is that the sheikh who is delivering the primary address this year at the Hajj in Mecca is Mohammed bin Abdul Karim Issa of the Muslim World League. And he was at that lunch in which leaders of the American Jewish community, himself, the crown prince, and Adel El-Jubir, who's the former foreign minister and U.S. ambassador from Saudi Arabia to U.S., was there as well. So the work that is seeing some fruit today is work that began earlier. And what was amazing was not the 20 minutes that we had with MBS, Um, That was all show and tell. What was amazing was the two hours we spent with the foreign minister talking about all the -the behind-the-scenes relationship building that's going on between Israel and Saudi Arabia. So for years already, we know that's been happening. And for Saudi Arabia, Iran is more of an important threat to them than um, their interest in helping the Palestinians at this moment, which, of course, has the Palestinians upset. But even within that might be an opportunity for the Palestinians to understand and to move forward that peace has greater dividends than ongoing conflict. That for another time. The world is a very different place, and Israel on the world stage no longer stands alone. That's the point. Though throughout Jewish history, this is how we understood what 2,000 years of exile meant. Today is actually the 17th of Tammuz, Tomorrow we will observe the fast of this day because you can't fast on Shabbat so it gets pushed off to the next day. In the book of Echa that we'll read in just a few weeks, Lamentations, we hear an echo of our pasuk from Balak. Echa Yoshva Badad Alas the city sits alone, lonely, Jerusalem is lonely after the destruction of the city, the gates of which were breached on this day thousands of years ago. While in Israel last week, I had an opportunity to sit with former member of Knesset, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, Rachel Azaria. We presented a program at the Fuchsburg Center on Jewish Peoplehood. And she reflected on the work that she has as deputy mayor responsible for education in the city of Jerusalem. And the tension she always feels with the summer planning months of getting schools ready, repairs and paint, building new schools, determining curriculum, Uh, being prepared for the thousands, tens of thousands of students that are in Jerusalem to start school in the fall, and then coming to Tisha B'Av and reading these words, Echa Yoshua Badad, the city is empty. Right, this tension of, of Jewish memory of exile and loneliness and the current Jewish reality of a city bursting at the seams with children in need of education overflowing with kids. If you were in Israel this last week, you would see the tens of thousands of Jews from around the world who have come to Israel for the Maccabiah games. And all the shirts and people. I, I flew to Israel with people from Mexico. I went to the Anu Museum with people from Argentina. Everywhere you look in Israel are people from around the world. This city is anything but Lonely at this moment and tourists christian tourists jewish tourists atheist tourists hippies coming to to be in israel anyone and everyone you can imagine is in israel at this moment and not to mention business and the different Diplomatic leadership from countries around the world, not just the United States. Friends of mine that are the Hartman Institute. You walk through the streets of Jerusalem. I was walking through the streets with my Jerusalem and my daughter was counting. How many people did we run into that I knew? Because the city is just overflowing. Anything but alone. In our classical commentaries of the parsha of this particular text that I shared with you from Balak, in which Hen, hen Am Yishkon that there is a people that dwells apart, we see there is even a tension within the classical commentaries. Rashi quotes both uncleists Targum Unculus, which is the first translation of the Torah into another language, to Babylonian Jewish Aramaic. And Unkelus inserts within his understanding of this text the following, Atidim de Yach senun alma, that this people, they stand apart, they're alone, not because of a negative influence of antisemitism, but because they are destined to inhabit the world. Lo yat danun gamira when in some future time the world is going to be judged for annihilation Israel will be redeemed uncle sees Israel's aloneness not as a detriment but as something positive in the same way that some people ascribe to Israel's otherness to the external issues of anti-Semitism as actually being the secret of Jewish survival, that had Israel been allowed to assimilate into the larger societies, they would have disappeared. And certainly, that is the debate that we have today in terms of the Jewish people here in North America, in the United States and Canada. Is the openness of the countries in which we live something desirable, or does it pose a danger to the maintenance of our Jewish identity. When this debate happens in Israel at the Jewish agency, the Israelis are already convinced that North American Jews will eventually disappear. That's one of the reasons why so much of Israel's political efforts is based on the evangelicals, who are meshuganah for Israel for eschatological reasons, and they don't necessarily have faith in the longevity of Jews in the diaspora, especially those of the progressive movements. I'm not such a pessimist. But I know that those notions of of freedom in countries other than Israel that produce a Jewish culture are real debates. But in the same pasuk, you have rashi who also brings not only uncleus but rashi who brings the negative perspective such as the targum yonatan as well so rashi quotes both the positive view of this of this pasuk of dwelling alone and the negative now how can he do that Reminds me of the old joke of a person who comes to the rabbi and asks a halakhic question, and the rabbi says, yes, you're right. And then the person next to him asks the same halakhic question, but gives a different arguing and a different conclusion, to which the rabbi turns to that person and says, you know, you're right too. And the third person then comes to the rabbi and says, rabbi, how is it that he can be right and he can be right? To which the rabbi turns to that third person and says, you know, you're right as well. In our tradition we understand interpretation as being related to the context in which the person doing the interpretation lives. Interpretation understanding is not devoid of the real life experience of people, which is why even as Early as the Gemara, as the Talmud, in the year 500, we have this very important concept in our tradition: "Elu veElu Elohim Chayim." This and that are both the words of the living God, meaning that both the positive interpretation of "alone" in the pasuk and the negative interpretation of "alone" in pasuk, of the, the pasuk can both be correct, depending upon the circumstance in which we are living and the perspective of the people or the groups that are looking at it. So is Israel alone? Do we dwell apart? Yes and no. Yes and yes. No and no. We are blessed to be living at a time of an Israel, both a people and a state, that is vibrant, and is still on its journey to discover the best that it can be. And so we live within this tension of Elu Elo Elohim Chaim. Israel remains both alone and it has friends. Let me conclude with the thoughts of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs and how he reconciles this tension between aloneness as both a positive and a negative attribute of both the people and the state of Israel. He writes, During 2,000 years of dispersion, Jews were the only people who as a group refused to assimilate into the dominant culture or convert to the dominant faith. They suffered as a result But what they taught was not for themselves alone. They showed that a nation need not be powerful or large to win God's favor. They showed that a nation can lose everything else, land, power, rights, a home, and yet still not lose hope. They showed that God is not necessarily on the side of great empires or big battalions. They showed that a nation can be hated, persecuted, reviled, and yet still be loved by God, they showed that to every law of history there is an exception and what the majority believes at any given moment is not necessarily true. Judaism is God's question mark against the conventional wisdom of the age. It is neither an easy nor a comfortable fate to be a people that dwells alone, but it is a challenging and inspirational one. A challenging and an inspirational one. That's certainly how I felt this last week in Israel and something that I think we continue as a people to be inspired and challenged to. Shabbat Shalom.